Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Glad you've joined us today. Thanks for taking time to join us. And um, here's what we'll be talking about. We will cover trade, as we've talked a lot about that so much in the news right now. What's going on with uh, our trade with Canada and Mexico? Uh, We're focused right now on China, but uh, we have tariffs and retaliatory duties uh, with both of our NAFTA partners. We're going to get an update from Joe Sheely with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Take a look at uh, how much we're selling uh, as far as meat products into those countries, even with all these trade issues going on. Speaking of trade, someone who has an interesting perspective on all these issues, former Secretary of Agriculture Jack Block will join us. He's just back from a trip to China. He went with the group from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. And, of course, uh, years of... um, experience here not always his days at usda but since then observing and uh, watching what's going on there uh, at usda and uh, with uh, in washington dc when it comes to these kind of issues and how you know we hear so much about how secretary Purdue's talking about how the administration is going to take care of farmers we'll talk with uh, former secretary jack block about how that might play out and and the role sonny Purdue plays in all of this And we're going to start checking around uh, crop conditions in different parts of the country. We're going to start in the St. Joe, Missouri area today. Our friend Gene Millard tells us uh, conditions are pretty tough there. They have not been getting the rain. They've had a lot of heat and dry weather. We'll get a crop update from Gene and also some of his thoughts as a farmer on these trade issues going on right now. But joining us first from AgriPulse Communications is Phil Brasher. Phil, thank you for joining us Sounds like nothing this week on Farm Bill. What about next week? Will we start hearing about conferees and starting to get this thing going? Well, uh, things are uh, kind of on hold a bit right now. Uh, Nothing from the uh, House. The House really has to move uh, first. Uh, The the Senate passed its, basically passed its bill as part of the House bill, put its bill into the House bill, sent it back to the House. Uh, so the House now has to either accept the Senate bill the way it is, which they're not going to do, or say we want to go to conference. Um, so we're waiting on the House to do that. No word yet from the leadership on when that's going to happen. Uh, do have to say that there are discussions going on between uh, staffs of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees. There's a lot of uh, preliminary work that has to be done. So. Uh, and we'll look for something in the next uh, week or so in terms of going to conference formally. You had an interesting conversation with Chairman Conaway about uh, the timeline and deadline for getting this thing done. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we asked him, uh, there were a couple of us talking to him, and asked him about the, the, uh, the deadline. He whipped out his phone. He has a, a an app on his phone with a timer, and it's, uh, he, it's set to uh, September 30th. At the time, I think there were 82 days left. Uh, and then I asked him, well, do you have a timer set for uh, the triggering of permanent law? That's the end of the year, which I would argue is probably the real deadline for, for Congress to act. And uh, sure enough, he had one set for, for New Year's Day as well. So uh, he's very aware of uh, that deadline. 
I would urge people to keep a real eye, not so much on September 30th, but the end of December, or actually technically when Congress uh, decides to, or when this Congress uh, adjourns signing die. I think that is the real deadline that you need to watch for. I think after the Senate passed their version of the Farm Bill, we, the feeling was this would get done this year. And while that's still probably the case, or very, very likely the case, I noticed uh, when I talked to Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis this week, I mean, he did bring up the possibility of an extension. So, uh, you know, that's not out of the question, is it? It is It is not out of the question. But I, I will tell you, uh, if you look at what's going to happen to the House in the fall elections, there's probably two scenarios. Either you're going to have the House in control of the Democrats next year, very narrowly, or you're going to have Republicans retain control of the House, again, very narrowly. That's not going to make doing a farm bill any easier. Um, if, you're, if you're Republicans, you may want to wait until after the election. You've got the vote that you wanted on work requirements for food stamp recipients. Uh, after the election, you see what happens. Um, you may want to say, you know, this is the best we can possibly do. Let's let's get this bill into law. And actually, if you're Democrats, you do you really want to start over on a farm bill next year? And mm, that's it's going to be tough for Democrats as well. So that's why there's a good chance of this uh, this bill still getting wrapped up, but quite possibly after the election and before Congress uh, adjourns uh, for good in December. We're talking with Philip Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, I would think also all the trade tensions that are going on and many members of Congress uh, talking about this during the farm bill process, that kind of puts a little more pressure on them to get a farm bill done. They, agriculture needs some good news here. Yeah, and that certainly, uh, I think, played into uh, to getting the bill through the Senate. Uh, both sides wanted a bill. You saw that on the, the final vote, 86 to 11. We talked about that huge margin, historically uh, very large margin. And I think that's uh, that vote was very important. I think if you're campaigning either as a Democrat or as a Republican in a, in a farm state, you've got that vote. We're doing something. We've just got to, you can talk about how we need to get this uh, this bill done and finished. Uh, but you have that vote in your in your back pocket if you're when you're going home and campaigning in August and, and October. Uh, and similarly, in the House, uh, from if you're from a farm district, you got the vote. If you're from a conservative district that doesn't really care about the farm programs, you can uh, point up that uh, those uh, tough work requirements that are in that House bill, and they're still there, and you're going to talk about how you're going to uh, hold firm for those uh, work rules. Efforts to do something on immigration washed out again. Uh, there's been some talk about trying to come back and do something uh, with uh, uh, maybe that could help agriculture even. Uh, do you see Congress getting into that again this year? Uh, yeah, there is a, the the Republican leadership promised um, some of the uh, farm district uh, Republicans. Uh, Dan Newhouse from Washington State is one of them, one of the key ones uh, uh, that they would have a vote on an ag labor bill this month or before the August uh, before the House breaks up for the, uh, the August recess. So there's still that expectation as early as next week, I'm told. 
it is probably going to look a lot like the provisions that uh, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, Bob Goodlatte, developed um, and were considered as part of other legislation in, in a broader immigration bill in June. Um, whether they will pass, well, that's, uh, that's another question. Uh, they will also include a mandatory e-verify uh, requirement. All, all employers, including uh, f- uh, farmers, would have to use the e-verify system. That's why you have, you have to couple the two together, the, the uh, ag labor provisions and the e-verify, to have any chance of getting uh, political support, even in, in the Republican, within Republicans. All right, we'll see what happens. Phil, thanks for the update. Yeah, great to be here. Take care. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. All right, we're going to look at meat sales to both Canada and Mexico next with Joe Sheely with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stay with us on Adams on Agriculture. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day, because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, a lot of focus, understandably, on the trade tensions with China right now. But we have to keep an eye on what's going on with Canada and Mexico. And we have tariffs and retaliatory duties uh, that we're dealing with there as well. What impact is that having on U.S. meat sales to those countries? Let's talk about it with the Vice President of Communications for the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Joe Sheely. Joe, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having uh, me. One of the things we've noticed, uh, at least up till now, even with China, uh, we were still selling, you know, uh, like soybeans to them, and maybe they were stocking up ahead of some of this, or we don't know, but see how that plays out. But what about with, let's start with Canada. Uh, even with the tariffs and retaliation and everything, how are our meat sales, uh, we'll start with beef, how are our beef sales into Canada? Well, uh, the Canada had uh, some retaliatory duties that took effect July 1st, so we don't really have any data um, that would reflect uh, the environment we're in with the duties. Um, the Canada's retaliatory duties on beef are actually kind of a narrow category. Uh, it's a 10% duty on prepared and cooked items. So you're talking about convenience meals, uh, maybe pre-made sandwiches, a lot of products that you might see in the in the frozen foods aisle of a grocery store or in a convenience store. So it's it's a narrow category, but not an insignificant one. Um, Canada's about an $800 million market for U.S. beef. Uh, it's, a, it's typically what we've shipped there. And last year, the, the duties, it, had they been in effect last year, would have applied to about 20% of that or about $164 million. So a pretty high percentage of what we're, uh, a pretty solid percentage of what we send to Canada is subject to this new duty. Now some people might look at it and say, well, you know, beef exports are seven and a quarter billion dollars and you're really only talking about $164 million of product. But uh, that's, I think, the wrong way to look at it. I think this is the kind of tariff that where the pain isn't going to be spread industry-wide. This isn't a tariff that's going to, going to rock the cattle futures market, but it's going to inflict uh, economic pain on a certain sector of the beef industry, people who've invested in uh, this prepared food, foods business that have cultivated a nice customer base in Canada. They're going to feel the effects of this, and it's going to make their product less competitive. And the potential for more pain down the road. Yes, I think so. Um, as I said, Canada isn't a market that we talk about as much as we do the Asian markets. We don't do as much active, active visible promotion of U.S. beef uh, in Canada as we do in, in some other markets. But it's an important market. As I said, about $800 million last year. It has been as high as a billion-dollar market back earlier in this decade. Uh, that was when uh, we had a little more favorable exchange rate, and Canada's own domestic beef production was down a bit. Those conditions have changed since then, and so we're we're off of our peak years exporting beef to Canada. But it's an important market for beef and for pork too. Well, when prices are 
are tight and low, and as many are right now, every market's important, even more important than ever. I mean, so, and with what's going on in the world right now, so many different things happening with these trade issues, they start to add up. Right. And, uh, you know, Canada's a good example of uh, when you think about what, what we ship there, you have to remember you're talking about a population of only between 30 and 35 million people. So really a pretty pretty extraordinary amount of, of red meat that we do ship to Canada um, for the for the population base. But it's a very reliable market, obviously the uh, very very high income market and so an important market to a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the uh, industry members a lot a lot of, of US companies uh, have, a, have a very so- strong customer base in in Canada and the duty-free access under NAFTA has been part of that and that's I think the most perhaps the most bothersome thing about uh, this this tariff uh, on prepared beef items is this is the, really the first time in, in many, many years that our red meat products aren't, all of our red meat products aren't going into Canada duty-free. And, and of course, that is also the case with Mexico uh, with the pork tariffs. We're talking with Joe Sheely with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Uh, let, I was going to go there next, Joe. Uh, what is uh, the situation uh, uh, with Mexico? How is that impacting our sales primarily with pork into Mexico? Well, uh, Mexico imposed a 10% tariff on on most of the the fresh pork that we shipped to Mexico. They also had some other tariffs on sausages and prepared hams, but uh, but the most impactful tariff was a 10% tariff that they imposed in early June in retaliation for the steel and aluminum tariffs on most of the uh, most of the fresh muscle cuts that we ship to Mexico and and the volume of that is tremendous last year 800,000 metric tons of exports to Mexico uh, worth about a billion and a half dollars um, so extremely important uh, line of supply uh, very important to our industry now that 10% tariff as of July 5th went up to 20%, and you know, even though we are the primary pork supplier to Mexico, uh, we capture about 90% of that market. This is opening us up to new competition. Uh, at the same time they implemented the tariff, uh, Mexico also created a duty-free quota for other suppliers. Uh, the chief beneficiary of that would be Europe, uh, because Mexico also they also import pork in small quantities from Canada and Chile, but those are already duty-free under uh, NAFTA and the Chile-Mexico Free Trade Agreement. But European pork uh, normally would pay a 20% tariff. Uh, that product can now enter duty-free, whereas U.S. pork, which was entering duty-free, is now subject to a 20% tariff. So that's a 40% tariff swing and really opens the possibility that that European pork will, for the first time, be entering Mexico in significant quantities. They've had access to the market. They've shipped some some prepared hams, or some processed products, things like that, but have never really jumped in with both feet in the Mexican market. And this certainly creates the possibility that that will happen. We feel that we are in good position to defend that business. We have uh, a tremendous supply chain. Uh, a tremendous customer base, especially with the large processors in Mexico. And we feel that we're going to do everything we can to hang on to that business and really emphasize 
the advantages of using that high-quality fresh pork that basically comes right off the conveyor belt into a combo bed and is trucked to Mexico just in a matter of hours. I think that's really been one of the real advantages that we have. It's not just about the duty-free access under NAFTA, but, but how our, our industry has really ramped up and created a remarkable supply chain for getting that fresh product into Mexico. And we think because of that, we can defend a lot of that business. But as I mentioned, we really uh, have created a, a, an environment now that invites competition into a market that we have, we have frankly dominated for many, many years. Kind of a scenario we're seeing play out with in other places, such as with China, where we're kind of opening the door for competitors to uh, to get more of a foothold in there. And uh, as you said, we have some advantages like with Mexico that play in our favor. But you're with what's going on now, you're just inviting a, a competitor to come in and make it even tougher. As you said, we're now defending a market uh, that we've pretty well had uh, you know, dominance in. Right, and you're and you're really tightening your margins. I mean, when when uh, when you're talking about a twenty percent tariff, the consumer isn't going to pick that up in in its entirely. It's not as if uh, uh, Mexican retailers or or distributors who supply processed products out to the retail and and convenience store sectors and places like that. Not as if they can just simply raise their prices by twenty percent. I mean, that it just doesn't work that way. So really everybody in the supply chain is going to have to absorb part of that and and you're really talking about uh, you're really talking about cutting into the profitability of of our industry. Well we're always looking for new markets but you know that's even more important now, right? It may be, those may be needed to help offset some uh, losses in the in the established markets. Right, we've always emphasized market diversification. I think if you look at our mainstay markets for red meat, uh, you've got Japan and South Korea and China, Hong Kong and Mexico and Canada, and really, uh, you know, 80% or more of our of our export value is derived from those markets. And so it would be easy at times to say, well, why don't we just put all of our resources there? But we've always emphasized the importance of of staying diversified and expanding into new markets and and getting into emerging markets while they're still emerging. Uh, if you look at, at the growth we've, we've achieved in places like Central America and South America and Southeast Asia, uh, it's really remarkable. I mean, we're, we're looking at markets like Africa now and Central Asia, where the volumes are small right now, but there's room for growth there. So we've always emphasized that. And frankly, this is one of the reasons why, because there's always there's always the possibility of factors that are completely out of your control uh, interrupting the business in these mainstay markets. And so uh, we feel That's it's, what we're it's seeing. just very important to, to stay diversified. Right. Joe, great update. Thank you for being with us. All right. Thank you, Mike. Joe Sheely with the U.S. Meat Export Federation on AOA. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. 
But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The grains are narrowly mixed ahead of USDA's new supply demand numbers that come out at 11 central time. Export sales of grains, soybeans, and red meat mostly lagged expectations in the most recent week. USDA saying that exporters sold 136,400 metric tons of wheat in the week ending July 5th well below pre-report estimates. The sales, according to one trader, dismal. Corn sales also falling short, while soybeans were at the low end of estimates. China, of course, last week introduced tariffs on a range of U.S. agricultural goods. Meat exports suffering. Sales of pork, which both China and Mexico targeted with tariffs, fell 43% from the prior four-week average. Beef sales falling 8% from the same time frame. Analysts expect USDA to increase its forecast for domestic grain stockpiles for this year and next year in those supply-demand numbers that come out today. Analysts also expect USDA to bump up its wheat production estimate. On the charts, December corn sinking to another new contract low Wednesday, closing in on psychological support at 350, the 10-day moving average acting as first resistance at 365. Daily momentum for new crop soybeans entering oversold territory. On the downside, the Bears have a target of 844 and a quarter. 10-day moving average is first resistance at 872 and a half. For livestock at the Merck, Thursday recovery after midweek losses for cattle and hog futures. Cash cattle activity quiet so far on this Thursday. In lean hog futures were 17 to a dollar 52 higher. Outside markets, the Dow, 157 points higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day, because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you antonio h told us great company got me connected and the day i went in i drove off in the car i wanted 100 percent worth your time need a car get started now and drive off as early as today just go to 11 ignoremyscore.com right now that's www.11ignoremyscore.com auto financing the easy way 11 ignoremyscore.com get started today auto financing the easy way Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, glad to have our next guest with us for some perspective on many of the things going on in agriculture today. Longtime friend, former Secretary of Agriculture, Jack Block. How are you, Jack? 
I'm doing great, Mike, and uh, I guess we got some good crops out there in Illinois. Some really good-looking ones. I'm sure that uh, you've been checking them closely back uh, on your farm, right? Yep. I I was there earlier this spring, uh, you know, a month and a half ago, and I'm, I'm going to get back, I think, right around the 1st of uh, August or maybe around the state fair time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some places in the state have more rain than others, and uh, but here in the central part of the state, some pretty good-looking crops, that's for sure. Uh, hey, you just got back. Uh, you were with the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Group that's been a couple of weeks in China. Uh, what were some of your observations? What stood out to you about that trip? Well, to start with, I, I first went to China 40 years ago, and this China today is not the... China than it was 40 years ago. It is so, so it's just progressed so much. It's, uh, it's big skyscrapers in these cities, and so many people have come to live in the cities, and it, there's just a lot going on there, and, and a lot of young people out working and buying stuff, and have in the stores, and they've got all kinds of food that you can buy, and a lot of it's imported. Of course, some of it's their food, and uh, and everybody's paying for that stuff with uh, their cell phones. That I, not many people were using cash. I had some Chinese yen to to spend, but I didn't have a cell phone that would buy anything there. But <laughs> it's just a new thing, and it's a very it's got to be very exciting for China and uh, and the people over there. Your thoughts on the uh, escalating trade tensions between the U.S. and China, especially as it impacts agriculture. Yeah, you know, the, you know when we went over there, of course, that was a hot button then, and it still is. It's a serious, serious problem. We met with uh, uh, Terry Branstad, our ambassador to China. Uh, I knew him when he was governor in Iowa when I was secretary of agriculture a long time ago. So we had another chance to meet and talk, along with a lot of other officials, and uh, that was a, a topic very high on the agenda. It was always uh, talked about, and kind of the the thought was that uh, the ambassador, he thinks that we will eventually sit down and and resolve this conflict and get some reform uh, out of China in their trade procedures because they they do manipulate a lot of things and they 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 can do a better job of of, of, of handling the, the whole trade issues so maybe we'll get on top of that my I'm still hopeful myself but uh you know when we're in China the, we weren't going to get everything fixed at that time these things though tend to last even after there's they're supposedly resolved now Back in your days uh, in the Reagan administration, uh, even after lifting that Russian grain embargo from the Carter administration, I mean, the lingering effects of that are around were around for some time. In fact, and you still hear people refer back to that. So these things don't just, uh, it's not off and on like a light switch. Well, I think this, uh, first of all, you, you did mention the, 
the grain embargo, the Soviet grain embargo, back when I was secretary, and we we got that lifted. But an interesting thing about that embargo there, the year that we embargoed our shipments, because they were a big market force, and we embargoed them, and they still bought more food that year than they did the year before because they just went and bought it someplace else. And in uh Certainly these trade disputes like this one with China are upsetting, and uh, and they've hurt our market a lot. In fact, we've got a really big crop coming on, too. That doesn't help our prices. Uh, But I think that uh, we need to keep in mind that there's a finite amount of food produced in the world, and the world's going to eat it, and, and they need it. And so... Uh, somebody's going to buy our soybeans. Uh, maybe China's not going to buy that many, or but somehow somebody will buy them because if they buy soybeans from somebody else, that means there's a that opens a market for us someplace else. But it's uh, it's uh, it's very uh, hard to to deal with right now as we're looking at low prices. We're talking with former Secretary of Agriculture. John Block, he was uh, secretary in the uh, Reagan administration. Uh, Jack, as you look at uh, the current secretary, Sonny Perdue, who gets rave reviews and for his uh, his work on behalf of farmers and his relationship with the ag community and being a good ambassador for agriculture, but uh, he's in a tough spot when your boss is uh, creating, uh, you know, uh, a lot of negative headlines for agriculture and trade, and you have to go out there and try to reassure farmers that it's going to be okay and that they have a plan and it's all going to work. Uh, kind of describe what it's like to be in the position he's in now. Well, <laughs> I was in that position for a while. Yep, and, yep. and in other times, too. I just One of the times when I first came in, we had the grain embargo in place. In our first cabinet meeting, I said, you know, I, I just raised my hand and asked Mr. President, when can we lift this grain embargo? It's hurting our farmers. And I just about had my head taken off by two or three other cabinet members. Alexander Haig, they want to keep it on and punish the Soviet Union. And then so it didn't get lifted, and so we had that kind of a, a fight within the cabinet, but then the president did lift it, and uh, and we had tough times then, too, and uh, as the interest rates jumped clear up to 17 or 18 percent, and that just that's just deadly to people borrowing money to farm their farms, and so it wasn't an easy time, and I think we're going to probably experience some of that right now. Uh, but I would agree. I think Sonny Perdue has done a terrific job. He's been out talking to the people in the country, and he's made it very clear by that he has been waiting in trying to do things that are good for agriculture. I mean, he stepped up a, a, on the whole issue of the EPA and their efforts. Uh, actually, they were working against ethanol. But he stepped in there and fought for the farmers there, and he's fought for farmers even on the trade side. But it's it's not easy when things are going bad. Uh, you know, they're looking for somebody to blame. But I don't think they're going to blame him. Yeah, you've been in that seat, as you pointed out, and you're speaking up uh, when you're at that table, and you're speaking up on behalf of agriculture. But sometimes 
And we talk a lot about Sonny Perdue having the ear of the president, but a lot of times other voices can drown you out, right? There may be other voices, more voices speaking uh, in a different direction, and sometimes uh, uh, you just, uh, I mean, you do your best, but sometimes it's, it's going to go the other way. Well, it can, and it, it just reminds you that uh, no, it doesn't matter what the issues are, uh, you're not going to have everybody on your side because different people have a different look at things. And uh, you just have to stand your ground and do your best and, uh, well, <laughs> just pray and cross your fingers, I guess. What do you think about the strategy uh, of this administration when it comes to trade? We knew it was going to be different. He was going to approach things differently than we'd seen in the past. Has he surprised you? Has the president surprised you with how he's approached these trade deals and trade issues? Yes, it has surprised me. It's, uh, but Donald Trump is uh, not very. He's, he's not very orthodox on a lot of things. He he does things differently, and uh, it has surprised me. I mean, it, he surprises the press. He surprises. Uh, a lot of people in Washington, uh, all the time, uh, he, he, you know, he's just uh, just been in Europe and met with the 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 uh, oh the, <laughs> the, the, the uh, what did he meet with? <laughs> anyway, he, he just was trying to t- make them pay their share to. NATO. national defense and defense of Europe against uh, Russia. And, right. oh, the press is just crazy. They, they can't stand it. He's taking such a strong stand, but that's just the way he does things. Yep, at the NATO summit, yeah. All right, well, I mentioned you just back from China. I have to tell this story. I took my first international trip ever back in the early 80s with you uh, on a trip we went to uh, – World Food Conference uh, in Rome, and it was a it was a once in a lifetime experience. I'll never forget it, and I'll never forget you uh, uh, went talking with some of the folks back in Washington. You wanted to come out and say something and get something out straightforward, and they said, "Oh no, you can't say that." And I got my first taste of what uh, you had to deal with uh, <laughs> as far as uh, uh, being careful what you said and, uh, and the restrictions you had. So it was uh, it was eye opening for me. But thanks for everything, Jack, and good to talk with you again. And best of luck to you in the future. Hope to see you back here in Illinois. Okay. Yeah, it's great to talk to you, and I uh, I'm sure glad that you were with me when we went over there to uh, it was, Rome. It, it was a great trip, meeting the Pope and just so many wonderful things. Take care, Jack. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Former Secretary of Agriculture, Jack Block. Yeah, it was the early 80s, and uh, we were at that World Food Conference, and, wow, I learned so much. As I said, we met, we met Pope John Paul uh, at the Vatican, and it was it was interesting to watch Secretary Block and, uh, and learn about what the Secretary of Agriculture uh, deals with and uh, all the things he has to take into account. So it uh, really gave me a better perspective into that office, and, and now we're seeing what uh, Secretary Purdue is dealing with and handling uh, a lot of uh, very difficult issues as well. Well, speaking of difficult, weather conditions in some places difficult. We're going to talk about that with Gene Miller, who farms in the St. Joe, Missouri area. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban, 
or rural. You must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reduce percent is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. 
No credit? Doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce? It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Our thanks to uh, former Secretary of Agriculture Jack Block for joining us last segment. Interesting to get his perspective. He's been through a lot of uh, the battles on trade issues and farm bills and a lot of those uh, issues we're dealing with right now. So interesting to get his uh, many years of uh, perspective on these uh, issues and uh, how Secretary Purdue uh, is dealing with them, which, you know, he, uh, Secretary Purdue is getting a lot of um, positive reports, of course, for his reassurance and his ability to communicate to farmers. And it's really being put to the test now as he goes uh, across the country and uh, talks about what's going on with trade and assuring farmers that the administration is going to take care of them. So he is, uh, as I call him, the comforter-in-chief, and uh, we'll see what plan the administration may have uh, in store, supposedly maybe around Labor Day, to uh, help farmers dealing with any losses from these trade issues. Well, we were hoping to talk with uh, Gene Miller, who farms in the St. Joe, Missouri area, uh, but he may be tied up right now. So hopefully we're going to get a chance to talk with Gene because we want to start taking a look at some of the crop conditions around the country And we know that uh, northern Missouri area has been uh, really struggling and a lot of dry weather and uh, uh, it uh, it's not looking good in many places such as that so we want to uh, start trying to keep an eye on that we'd like to hear from you you can email me Mike Adams at AmericanAgNetwork.com or on Twitter at Mike Adams Ag let me know how crops look in your area. I'm in west central Illinois, and I've had more than one farmer say that their crops look as good or better than they've ever seen them. We're a long ways from having it in the bin. Not that far away from harvest, quite frankly. I mean, a lot of the corn in this part of the country pollinated early, well before the really hot weather hit, so that's been an advantage. And I had a farmer tell me the other day, Trying to remember, I think he said corn tasseled on his farm around June 18th, June 16th, June 18th, somewhere like that, very early. And uh, looks like it could be a, an early harvest as well. So we'll be watching that. Uh, other parts of the country, certainly further behind, wet weather in places, very dry weather in places. So it, it's spotty. But overall, as the crop condition numbers tell us each week, overall the crop seems to look pretty good, but uh, still a ways to go. Some other news, we're watching major food companies, Dannon, Mars, Nestle, and Unilever are joining forces. They're going to form a new group called the Sustainable Food Policy Alliance. And their plan is to focus on nutritional labeling and carbon emissions. And their members will be lobbying for uh, government agencies 
in order to try to define what is healthy based on strong science-based regulations and then look at how those terms could be used on food packages and in marketing. So, boy, when you get into labeling, this is always a a big debate, a hot debate, and uh, what should be labeled, what should go on the label, what impact does that have? So when you get major food companies like this coming together, that's a, that's a powerful voice, and we'll see what uh, influence they may have moving forward on labeling. And um, they want updates to help consumers make better choices for themselves and their families. That's according to a statement from those companies. So we'll watch that. Uh, help consumers make better choices for themselves and their families. And that's that. even that is in the, kind of in the eye of the beholder, uh, what are better choices. So we will watch that closely. All right, Gene Miller checks in with us. Gene, how are you? Well, we're a little toasty around our part of the world, Mike. Yeah, how do crops look in the St. Joe, Missouri area? Fading, fading. Uh, we just have had so much heat here this week, and uh, it's supposed to be 99 today and maybe 98 tomorrow, maybe a break this weekend, but all of the uh, late-planted corn has really been suffering, and and I noticed yesterday that there was a few of the bottom leaves of the beans that looked really good if you drive by the field at 70 miles an hour. Uh, but they've yellowed up and and uh, on the very bottom. They're they're just stressed right now, and I think that's pretty much the story on crop conditions. Out of pasture, the guys with cows uh, just really short on hay, and uh, already some reports of some uh, cattle being moved because they just don't have grass. And uh, even a report I had this morning and up in the Graham Maitland area north of St. Joe, and pretty good farming country. They're already chopping corn for silage, so it's dry. This has been a struggle this whole year for you, right? I mean, this just yeah, we've been in a drought this last year. Uh, We're seven to ten inches deficient in moisture, and I I heard that even over in God's country around Kennebecaw, northeast Kansas, they're getting a little toasty and dry, and and starting to cut some corn over, uh, you know, in the area about a hundred miles east or west of St. Joe, over in the Seneca, Kansas. You've had challenges all, I mean, it's been tough for you to spray because of wind. I mean, it's just been one thing after another. Yep. Yeah, it sure has. And and herbicides really don't work very well if you can't get, uh, you know, some soil activity as far as the pre-emerge stuff is concerned. So that that was kind of a failure. We had a couple of fields we had to spray for the third time. Uh, Just, just, they just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't die. And uh, the... uh, Interesting thing, last week there was just a, a plate of, of, of aerial applicators and helicopter applicators They were spraying for Japanese beetles because uh, they were just thicker than hops every place. So we didn't spray for the beetles. Said, heck, fire, you know, let them have it if, they, if they're that hungry. But we saw a few beetles, and I picked some out of the sweet corn patch, but they, they really didn't cause as much damage here, I don't think. You know, sometimes in low prices, you, you, you often look to volume to kind of help offset that, but you're kind of getting the double whammy, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it is kind of the double whammy. And, of course, with prices going down as far as they are, I know at our ethanol plant, I got a text this morning that, that our margin calls have gotten pretty significant here with uh, this dramatic decline in corn prices because in our, in our uh, segment of the business, uh, we, uh, we have a lot of long-term contracts out in the future, so we buy the board as a hedge. And so, uh, you know, we, it is.
is a pure hedge, but it's still kind of painful when you got to make those six-figure margin calls. So uh, that's just another stress to the market right now, and it's going to affect our end users eventually at some point in time. All right, Gene, wish you had better news, but uh, thanks for the update. We just hope for rain this weekend. Okay, hope you get some. Thanks, Gene. Gene Miller, who farms in the St. Joe, Missouri area, really having some weather challenges and struggles this year. All right, coming up tomorrow, we'll take a look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers and more. Join us on AOA Adams on Agriculture.